messages based on the book of Genesis. We're going to go all the way through in 24 messages, ending with chapter 50, the marvelous statesman known as Joseph. This morning, our title is Creation or Evolution, Who is Right? It is a battle that has been fought for a long time in so many places, creation or evolution. I'm sure you know that Genesis is a Greek word meaning beginning. The author of the book of Genesis was Moses, but what you may not know if you have not been a Christian for very long is that Moses was not alive when the events in Genesis took place. The Spirit of God directed Moses in his writing. Peter alluded to this in 2 Peter 1.21 when he said, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Spirit is the author of all of the Bible, but there are about 40 to 44 different writers of the Bible, Moses being the first. The first and the last books of the Bible are closely related. We have been going through the book of Revelation on Sunday night. Now we go through Genesis because of the correlation of the two. The creation of the heaven and earth is in Genesis. The new heavens and the new earth are written of in Revelation. In Genesis, Satan's first attack on men. In Revelation, his final attack. In Genesis, the sun was made to rule the day, and Revelation tells us there is no need of the sun. In Genesis, there was darkness and night. In Revelation, the Bible says there will be no night there. The seas were created in Genesis. In Revelation, no more sea. In Genesis, there was a river in the garden. In Revelation, a heavenly river flows from the throne, which is called a river of life. A curse was placed upon man and nature in Genesis. In Revelation, the curse is removed once and for all. Man was driven out of paradise in Genesis, restored to paradise in Revelation. The tree of life was taken from man. The tree of life is open to man at all times in the Revelation. Nimrod rebels. He founds a city called Babylon in Genesis and in Revelation the Antichrist and Babylon are judged and once and for all put away. In Genesis, there was the marriage of Adam. In Revelation is the marriage of the Lamb. In Genesis, the serpent's doom was promised. In Revelation, the serpent's doom accomplished. Oh, how wonderful to put Genesis here and Revelation here and just tie a rope between the two. Tie them together and you will understand a great deal of the origin and the destiny of all mankind. There are three things that I want to mention in my message today. If you are a note-taker on the back of the bulletin, there are three points. Number one, the Creator. Number two, the creation. And number three, the new creation. 
those three things we will share in these next moments. First of all, the Creator. I don't know of four more beautifully arranged words than the opening words of the Bible. In the beginning, God. Those words have brought hope and life to me many, many times. No scientist or historian can improve upon that simple statement of Genesis. It says so much, in the beginning, God. That is important because the atheist says there is no God. The agnostic claims we cannot know God. The polytheist worships many gods. The pantheist says that all nature is God. The materialist claims that matter is eternal and not created. The fatalist teaches that there is no divine plan behind creation and behind history. How wonderful to come to Genesis and without a lot of papers and a lot of books and a lot of things we just read. In the beginning, God, that touches me right where I live. I believe you can read all the books in the library there are to read on creation or evolution and all the papers that have been ever written on the subjects and you will not find anything more satisfying or powerful or redeeming than those four words in the beginning, God. That is my position. God was there at the beginning. God brought it all into existence. Where did God come from? He always has been, and He always will be. That's simple enough for me. I accept that on the authority of this book, the Bible. The Creator. How wonderfully you can see God in this chapter of Genesis. If you want to take time, take a little red pen and underline how many times God is referred to in this chapter. Let me save you a little time and just tell you it's 32 times. 32 times his name appears in the chapter. You will read such statements as, And God said, and God called, and God made, and God set them, and God blessed, and on and on it goes. Thirty-two times. Why is it so hard for us to accept that? The evolutionists may claim that matter just came into being, that life happened like a dictionary coming into being because of an explosion in a print shop that it just happened, and that all complex forms of life gradually evolved from lower forms. But he cannot prove his claim. The evolutionist cannot prove his claim. There is no way that he can. I challenge him to prove his claim. Look at God in this chapter. Look at how many times his name appears and how beautifully it all flows together from those first four words. In the beginning, God, there was a creator there to bring it all about. It's that simple. Then there are those who say, why did God create the universe in the first place? Well, it's a fair question. 
My discovery is that the Bible answers its own questions. So I turn to Psalm number 19, and I hear God saying why he created the universe. Psalm 19 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. God made this universe to bring glory to himself. And the heavens declare that glory. And the firmament every day preaches the handiwork of God, the power and the majesty and the might of God. Thomas Edison said, too many people have a microscopic idea of the Creator. Study him in his works. Study him in nature. Study him in the laws of the universe you would have a much broader idea of the great engineer, he said, if you will do that. Well, all I can say is amen. Now, look at some of the scriptures that talk about this creator. There are many, but let me just zero in on these. Creation shows his wisdom and power. Proverbs 3.19, The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth. By understanding hath he established the heavens. Creation shows his power and his Godhead. In Romans 1.20, Paul wrote, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they, the heathen, are without excuse. God writes it in everything he made. I am real, he says. And you can find me even through the things that I have made. Creation shows his love for man. Did you know that? Psalm 8, verses 3 and 4. When I consider thy heavens... The work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars. What is man that thou art mindful of him? The psalmist one day must have been looking up into the heavens and he thought of the sun and the moon and the stars and then he thought of himself and that God loved him, and that God cared for him, and it overwhelmed him, and he said, I learn your love for me when I look at the sun and the moon and the stars and the heavens. What is man that thou art mindful of him? Creation not only shows us his wisdom and power, his Godhead, his love for man, but it shows us his providential care. If you've come to church this morning feeling alone, forsaken, wondering what tomorrow might hold. Listen to Isaiah 40, verses 28 through 31. God says about himself, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might he increaseth strength. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. 
I believe it's time for us to stop trying to answer all of the questions that there are about this universe and about things that are seen perhaps through a microscope and start looking around at the miracles of lives transformed by the power of God and know that God did it by his strength and power. He made something that was without meaning, meaningful, and it's hard to argue it away. Just look at the miracles of his providential care, the restoration that he has brought about in so many of us. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Let's look there once at the miracles of his power. Jesus picked this same thing up in the Sermon on the Mount. As he stood there on that hillside, he shared these principles. Why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. If God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Jesus was simply saying, look around at what God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit made in the beginning, and in it you will see how much God cares. Don't go around worrying about what you put on or what you put in your mouth. Don't worry about those things. Look at the lilies. They don't worry. God made them, and he cares for them. Will he not much more care for you? You see, you can't put that into a test tube, can you? You just have to accept by faith God does that for people. And he honors the prayer Jesus taught us to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. And he makes that provision for those who trust him. What a great creator we have. Then we look at the creation. I came across a little article by a man named Stoner, Peter Stoner, writing on the creation as he listed the 13 steps of creation recorded in Genesis 1, he came to the conclusion that these events are not only accurately recorded, but are in an order acceptable to modern science. He estimates, as a mathematician, that Moses' chance of getting both the items and the order correct without having been there, without divine aid, are one in the following, and I can't even read this to you because I don't know what it is. All I can give you are the figures. It's 31 with a comma, 135 comma, 104 comma, and then five sets of zeros. Now, I don't know what that is. But that's the mathematical chance that Moses could get that right in order in Genesis 1. Then Mr. Stoner went on to say, if you want to visualize this, this is how to do it. Hold a drawing and print the number of tickets you need for the drawing. It would take 8 million presses printing 2,000 tickets per minute running day and night for 5 million years to produce the number. If one ticket were buried in the mass of tickets, 
the chance of finding the mark ticket would be better than Moses' chance of getting both the times and the items in order that we find in Genesis 1. What a creation. And what a creator. Now, it's possible that there is a gap between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2. The verse could read, And the earth became without form and void. And I'll explain why. In Isaiah 45, verse 18, God states that he did not create the earth without form. So we believe that some chaotic condition came to earth due to judgment. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But then the earth was without form and void. The gap theory is propagated. We have to decide about Lucifer. When did he fall to earth? According to Isaiah 14, Lucifer wanted to take the place of God. He's already at work in Genesis, the third chapter. So his fall had to take place earlier. It would strongly imply that the creative activities of Genesis 1 are really a restoration of a ruined universe that God did create in the beginning of time. Everything is formless, empty, and dark. So God formed what was needed. What was needed on the first day was light, the second day air and water, the third day land and plants, the fourth day all of the light bearers, the fifth day birds and fish, the sixth day animals and man, man being the crown of God's creation. There was a divine conference in heaven before man was created. God is taking a risk. He made some beings once called angels. A third of them fell. Lucifer wanting to exalt himself above the throne of God. So the three in one had a conference. Shall we do it or shall we not do it? The conference is in verse 26 of chapter 1. In verse 27, the decision is made. We will create man in our image. That does not mean visibly, but intellect, in will, in personality, emotions, freedom. Man created in the image of God. This is why Lucifer attacked man, because Lucifer had that position once. If Lucifer couldn't have the place of God in the universe, then he would try to take God's place in the life of men. And he was cast out into the earth, and he has become our arch enemy. He is seeking to destroy us. We lost our dominion by sin. But it was regained by the second Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ. We have no struggle that God created all things, bringing order out of the chaos that was evident after the first verse of Genesis 1. You and I are the crowning glory of all that he made. Which leads me to the third point I want to share with you today, the new creation. I want you to turn in your Bible to the second letter of Paul to the Corinthians. Chapters 4 and 5 reveal some very interesting things about the creation. Paul uses the Genesis account to illustrate the new creation. 
In chapter 4, verse 4 of 2 Corinthians, Paul said, The God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. So Paul is referring to the fall of Lucifer cast out into the earth and says the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. He moves in the sixth verse of the fourth chapter to this statement. God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, creation, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He's referring to creation terms as he talks about the new creation, that a life is in darkness, but God commands the light to shine out of that darkness. And then in the 17th verse of the 5th chapter is his great testimony. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. You see, the void, the darkness. Behold, all things are become new. The light, the life that came about as God spoke and brought this world into being. I have a feeling that there are those of you who have come to church this morning and those watching by television and listening by tape or radio that feel that void. You sense that darkness. I received another call this morning before church from a wife who said, have you heard from my husband? I said, not in recent days. She said, he has threatened to take his life, and I am worried. I have not been able to find him. That is not isolated. The reason being, there is nothing left for people. There is darkness. There is that emptiness, that void that is created by the God of this world. And they think this is a way out. You have come hoping, praying, that perhaps in your darkness, in your emptiness, there could come light and something to fill that void. I am glad to tell you there is. There is. In Jesus Christ, there is. A little Japanese girl came across the word creator for the first time. She took a dictionary to see what it meant, and it said it means God, the maker of all things. Something was quickened in her heart. She went to her Buddha, stood in front of her Buddha, and said, you are not God. You have never made anything. In the process of time, was invited to a meeting where a missionary spoke. With excitement, she made her way to the missionary and said, tell me about this creator. She shared John 3.16 with that little Japanese girl, for God so loved the world. And again, there was that quickening in her heart. She said, that's it, the God who made it loved it. 
And in his love, he sent Jesus to it that it might be redeemed, that it might be saved from its voidness and its darkness and its emptiness. And that little Japanese girl with heathen background found what I'm talking about in an instant as she opened her heart to the Son of God. You can do that today. You can have that experience today. Man was created perfect, but like the universe, was ruined by sin. Born a sinner without form and void, his life purposeless, empty and dark. But Jesus can come in a new creation. The Holy Spirit moved upon the face of the waters, Genesis says, just as he moves upon the hearts of men. Saul of Tarsus discovered that when God spoke to him and said, Why do you persecute me? Why do you kick against the goads? Saul, I'm trying to get your attention. That word moved is the same word Peter used when he said, Holy men of God spake as they were moved. They couldn't help it. They were compelled by the Spirit of God. This letter I shared with you this morning from a young man who said I was delivered from a homosexual life said at the end, I'm glad for the hound of heaven. He evidently heard me say that in a sermon, the hound of heaven never gives up. That's the same word as in Genesis 1. The Spirit of God moved, and that's what you're feeling as I'm speaking. That's why you'd like to get out of here if you could get up and move. But it's like you're frozen in your seat because the Holy Spirit is moving upon your heart just as he moved on the face of the waters in creation because he wants to bring out of us a new creation worthy of the name of God. Let him have his way. Let there be light. Hebrews 4.12 says that the word has power to divide. It's like a sword that divides. Just as God divided the light and darkness and the waters and the land, he's given us this written word to divide light from darkness. You see, friends, this is why we're in the mess we're in today. Men have left their Bibles closed. They have put them out of education. It's almost a mockery in some instances today when men lay their hands on the Bible and say, so help me God. The reason we're in the mess we're in is because we need a division of light and darkness and nobody seems to know. Great is that darkness. But when we come to the light and we walk in that light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, you see, and the fighting stops, and the mess is end, and there comes order and delight. Caesar Milan once met an infidel in the railway station, sat with him on the train, quoted scripture after scripture to him. The infidel said, it's no use to read that to me. I don't believe the Bible. But said Mr. Milan, a sword would cut if I thrust it into your body, whether you believed it to be a sharp sword or not. 
So he kept sharing, quoting scripture after scripture until the journey was over. He met that same man one year later, and then he was a convert to Jesus Christ. His life had been changed, a true believer, because the word of God divides. And where there was darkness, there comes light. The believer then bears the fruit of that relationship. Just like in creation, the Bible says, everything developed after his kind. There was fruit. And so it is in the spiritual life. We are under God's rule. The world says things go better with Coke. We say things go better with God. Fruit comes when we have tasted of his goodness and of his grace. Man fights the creative power of God intellectually, fights the creative power of God emotionally and spiritually. But I'm so glad to know that man cannot escape the pricking of that power. That's why I stand here with such joy this morning, because I know you can't escape the pricking of that power. His power divides. It will bring light in place of darkness, hope where there was despair, form where there was emptiness and total chaos. Not believing for it in these next few minutes. God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Can you say that of your life today? If not, the words of the great song can help. Down from his glory, ever-living story, my God and Savior came and Jesus was his name. Oh, how I love him, how I adore him. My breath, my sunshine, my all in all, the great creator became my Savior in all God's fullness dwelleth in him. That can be your testimony, friend. The new creation can happen today in you. And just like the universe, before verse 2 of Genesis 1, formless, void, empty, you can have God's divine creative work in your life. And there can come salvation, life, meaning, purpose, everything you have ever longed for. Creation or evolution, who is right? The evidence is on God's side. Look around. Here there is hope. Here there are lives put together that were once broken. Out there they're in darkness and despair with nothing to turn to. But when you believe in the God who made all things and the God who sent his Son to redeem us and the God who has prepared everything beautiful in the future, it all comes together.
life has purpose again. Let it happen for you. As we bow our heads together, please, all over the audience. And the reason we bow our heads and close our eyes is so that we will not be distracted by anything else happening. You can pray with eyes open, certainly, but we close them so that we can concentrate on God. Will you do that? Father, help us to shut out everything that would hinder what you want to do in these next few moments. There are people here whose lives are like Genesis 1, empty, dark. But we believe in your creative genius. You're able to bring hope out of despair. Do it, we pray, all over this audience and on television and radio where people are watching and listening. Touch them, Lord Jesus.